Welcome to this week's podcast from Free Chapel in Orange County. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, check out our website at freechapel.org. Genesis, turn to Genesis 17. And uh, I'm going to jump, we're going to jump straight into it. I promise I won't preach for long. How many say he says that every week? I don't have a clock to go by as well, so it's not my fault today. The construction guys just pulled everything. It looks like a crime scene up here, doesn't it? We've got, we've got things everywhere. You should have seen it before as well. But, uh, I mean, it's exciting, isn't it, what God is doing in our church? And uh, it's going to be, uh, it's gonna be uh, this place is going to look crazy for the next sort of month or so. But I promise you there's going uh, to be victory at the end. And uh, it's going to be good. So I want to read you these, uh, these couple of verses. And uh, it's in Genesis 17. I'm going to start from verse 5. This is God speaking. And he says, No longer, he's speaking to Abram. He says, No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be called Abraham. For I have made you a father of many nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful and I will make nations for you and kings shall come from you. And I will establish my covenant between men and you and your descendants after you in their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and your descendants after you. In verse 8, also I have given you and your descendants after you the land in which you are a stranger, all the land of Canaan as an everlasting possession and I will be their God. This, um, this is, these verses we know is, is well known, but it's the covenant that was spoken to Abram. And as we heard, he changed his name from Abram to Abraham. But it was the covenant or the promise of God for Abram, not just Abraham, but Abraham for him, for his family and for the seed that would come after him. And what I want to preach, I want to talk to you a little bit because this this is really where it all began. And if we go in, if you follow the story and you know a little bit about it and you follow it through all the way through to Exodus, where it talks about the Israelites in Exodus and it talks about the Israelites in Egypt. And actually what happened was if you look at this promise and you look at this covenant that is spoken by God over Abraham, it is twofold. There are two parts to this covenant. The first part of the covenant, God speaks to him and says, you will be fruitful and you will multiply. This speaks to me of favour that is just on you. What happens is, is if you look at the story, and I'm going to sort of pack a lot in for sake of time, but if you look at the story in Exodus, that's exactly what happened to the Israelites. The Bible says that at the start of Exodus, it says that before the Israelites actually came under the oppression of Egypt, it says that they were fruitful and they multiplied. If you read the story, what happens is they started multiplying and they started reproducing. And there were, in fact, it got to a stage where there were so many that Pharaoh, the Pharaoh of Egypt at the time, looked at them and he felt a little bit intimidated. He felt a bit freaked out by them. And he said, we need to rule these people. We don't want these people to grow so big that one day they could form an army and overtake Egypt. So Pharaoh said, we need, to, we need to bring them into captivity, bring them into bondage and we'll turn them into slaves. 
what he was trying to do was he was trying to stop the favour of God from being upon the Israelites. He was trying to stop them from multiplying. He was trying to stop them from being fruitful. But how many know that there's nothing that the enemy can do to stop God's favour on your life? When God's favour gets upon you, you can't, you know, it, it just sort of happens. And the enemy will try and stop it. And the enemy will send something from this direction, but then God will send blessing from this direction. And then the enemy will stop this here and God will bless you over here. And then the enemy will try and stop that. And God will, it's, it's, it's the nature of the favour of God. You can't hold it back. You can't stop it. It just, it just keeps happening. And this is what happened. I love the story. You can go and look at it later. It happens so much so that even when they brought them under bondage, it says that when Pharaoh brought them under bondage and began to oppress them even still, they just kept reproducing. They just kept, you know, and, and what happened, Pharaoh got so frustrated. Look at it, it's crazy. He got so frustrated that he went up and he spoke to the midwives of all of the Hebrew women. And he said to the midwives, what I want you to do is when these, when these Hebrew women give birth, if they give birth to any sons, I want you as the midwives to actually kill the sons. But the midwives were like, hey, hey, we're not about that life. We're not gonna do that. So what they did was, they refused to do it. And then Pharaoh went up to them and said, what's happening? And, and then the midwives, they made up a story. I love these, these midwives. They said to Pharaoh, listen, it's not our fault. When we go to deliver the babies, the, the Hebrew women are different to the Egyptian women and, and they're popping out the kids before we can get to them. And so it's not our fault. You know, they're having them and they, they beat us to it. You read the story. This is what they said. I'm paraphrasing this Bible according to Ben, but it's right, all right? So even Pharaoh's trying to stop them from walking in the, the blessing of God and walking in the favour of God, but he just can't stop it. He tries to get the, the, the women, the, 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 the midwives to stop it. And, and the, the Bible says that the midwives feared God more than they feared Pharaoh. So they said, we're not touching that. We're not, we're not touching the favour of God. It's the favour of God that's doing this. We don't, we're not touching that. You can't come against the favour of God. And, and so this is what happens in the story. And the Bible says that no matter what happened, no matter what Pharaoh tried to do, you'll know the story of Moses. This is where it kicks in, where Moses, they tried to, because Pharaoh said, because the midwives are not killing the, the, the sons. And so that's where Pharaoh said, you know what, I'll, I'll do this now. So he started to send out a decree to say that they'll kill all of the, remember the story, all of the sons. And that's where they took baby Moses and put him in the little basket and sent him down the river to, to try and keep him safe. But there was nothing that Egypt could do to stop the favour of God. This represents that, that, that type of favour that, you know, it's, I'm talking a little bit before I said, I'm sort of setting up what I'm going to preach, but I'm talking a little bit. The first part of the covenant spoken to Abraham, I believe represents exactly that. It's the favour of God. You can't help it. There's nothing you did to get it. It's just there because of God's goodness. You don't deserve it. You almost get embarrassed about it sometimes. Someone else may not be walking favour, but you just, 
you're just favoured. You work just seems to come your way and you don't understand why. And, 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 and situations seem to just open up to you and you can't explain why. And you look at your life and, and you say, I don't know what it is. It's just the favour of God upon you. It's God's hand upon you. I remember before I was saved, I would sometimes even look at my life even before I was saved and still see God's hand upon me. It's God has always given me favour with people. I would have favour with people even when I was unsaved, almost like God showing you that even though you run from me and get crazy, I still love you. My favours, my hands on you. Any of you look back across your path and you think, you know what? I don't know why God did that. I don't know why He saved me from that. I don't know why I didn't die that night. I don't know why that didn't happen that night. I don't know why I didn't get pregnant then or didn't get her pregnant then or didn't end up this get, but it was just the favour of God. You can't help it. You can't, you can't explain it. You sort of sometimes feel embarrassed about it. You, you, it's just the favour of God. It's the first part of the covenant is God's favour. And it's something that we talk about and we preach about and it's an important thing and it's a powerful thing, but I want to show you something else. Because the Israelites were walking in the favour of God, yet they were still in bondage. They were walking blessed, but they were still bound. I think it paints a picture, I think, for where a lot of Christians find themselves at times. God's hands upon you, but you're still not free. You got a nice car that God blessed you with, but you still got depression in your mind. You got a great house, but your family's still under oppression. The enemy's still got his hand on your family. You've got great things happening in your business and you're getting by, but you're not in pressed down, shaken together, running over. There's still, there's an element of favour that you enjoy, but then there is also an element of bondage that is still there. This is where the Israelites were. They kept reproducing. They kept having kids that, you know, they couldn't stop it. It was a favour of God. But when they went to try and move, Egypt had them. And what I want to show you, and I was reading this and I've looked at these verses so many times before and something just jumped out at me as you look at that covenant that we read about in Genesis 17 and God begins to speak it over Abram and change his name to Abraham and begins to speak it. And he says, you'll be fruitful. I'm going to bless you. You're going to multiply. And then in verse eight, he says, also. And then what happens is he begins to talk about part two of the covenant, part two of the promise, part two of the blessing. Part one was you're going to be fruitful and you're going to multiply. But then he says this one key word, also. What does also mean? Also means in addition to. Also means an added extra. Also means on top of this. What I just said is going to happen, but I'm not just going to leave it at just that. You're not just going to walk favoured. The promise for you is not just that you would multiply. The favour for you is not just that you would reproduce where you are, but I have a promised land that I've called you to walk in and it's on the other side of also. Why do so many Christians miss what God has for them? Because they get stuck on the wrong side of also. We receive the favour 
and we love the, the great things that God is doing in our life and we enjoy that. But I wanna encourage you this morning and I feel like this is a word for us right now in this season, church, that God is calling you to step onto the other side of also. God's done some great things. There've been some awesome things, but you're being called to go from favour into fullness. Because that's what it was. The first part of the promise was favour and that was awesome. But the second part was the fullness of the promise of God. Part two was for you to take land and take territory. Part two for you to occupy the promised land. What is waiting for you on the other side of also? I felt God speak this to my heart and speak this to my spirit. And I wanted to stir you this morning. Don't just stay in favour. It's great, favour's awesome, but He's calling you to fullness. You've got to step on the other side of also. Favour's comfortable. Favour's nice. Until you start to move. And then when you start to move, that's when Egypt tries to hold on. The first thing that happened to them, they started to, they got a glimpse. They got a glimpse of also through Moses. Moses comes and he speaks to them and says, we're getting out of here. Favor's great and, and you know, there's some, there's some cool things and you're multiplied and, and there's a level of blessing, but you're not called to stay here. This is Egypt. You're a stranger in this, this land and God's about to give you a land that you're called to occupy. Let's get up out of here and let's go on the other side of also. So they start moving and they get excited and they gather everything together and they start marching out. And then the, at the start, it's exciting because you think, man, I'm doing this. You know, you come into church and you hear a message like this and you're like, come on, we're going for it. Let's do this. Let's get the kids, pack up the camper, load up the RV. We're headed out of here. Let's leave these jokers behind. Let's go for what God has for us. Favour's great, but fullness sounds better. And you start charging and then you're going for it and you're awesome. And then all of a sudden, bang, you hit the Red Sea. You're like, well, hang on, this wasn't. I thought fullness was, you know, come on, blessing. Press down, shake it together, flowing over. I thought, hang on, hang on. I just went from favour now I'm headed to fullness, but there's a Red Sea in front of me. And what happens is, let me show you what happens. The first thing that will try and come after you when you're stepping from favour into fullness is your past. Because look at what happened. The first obstacle they faced, they faced the Red Sea. But now not only are they facing the Red Sea, they're facing a problem. They're facing a challenge. They're facing an issue. They're facing some stress. They're facing some pressure. You're a businessman and God's called you out of favour, walking in some cool stuff and seeing God get the bills paid, but He's calling you to fullness and you catch a glimpse of it and you say, I'm going for this. But then all of a sudden you bang, you face a Red Sea. And then what? look what the enemy does. Now you're facing the pressure of the business and then you turn and guess what? What happened in the story? When they faced the Red Sea, Pharaoh came running after them. What will happen when you try and go from favour into fullness and you hit a Red Sea, this is where your past will start saying, listen, I know there's pressure here, 
But what did you used to do during Presser? This is when you would go and, and drink your worries away. This is where you, would, where you would go and take those couple of pills or this is where you would go and, and get caught up in that pornography or this is where you would go. When God is calling you to fullness, your past is not just gonna let you get there. Your past will come chasing you down. Things start getting tough. And anger was a thing of your past and now your anger's starting to come back and you're like, what's going on here? You ever felt like the enemy never used to bother you before? Do you know what I'm talking about? I feel like I never used to get tempted when I was unsaved. Anyone else want to be real? I never battled temptation at all because I just did everything. It's almost like you look at it and think, you know what? Life was so much easier. But see, what happens is when you start going for fullness, you're going to hit some obstacles. And when you hit that obstacle, you better know your past is going to come hunting you down. I've gone through this before in my life. There was a season in my life where whenever, years ago, whenever I would face just a time of challenge. Alcohol was something that the enemy would use and it, it, was, it, was, it became something that, that I would give into to bring me a moment of temporary peace. And I remember leaving and I remember getting out of that lifestyle saying, I'm not gonna live, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna depend upon alcohol for peace anymore. God's my peace now. The Holy Spirit is my comforter and counselor. And I start saying, you know what? I'm not living, I'm not, I'm going for what everything God has for me. But then when I hit the pressures of trying to live right, then the enemy comes. It's your past saying, come on, man, what would you normally do when things get like this? What do you normally do? What did you used to do when you faced the Red Sea? You would just go to drink and have a few drinks and just to take the edge off and then a few would become a bit more. And then where you are, you're in some happiness, some peace. Here it is the past. It's Pharaoh chasing you down. There's, there's single people here and you, 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 you made a decision that you're going to believe for the promise. You're not going to listen to what everyone else is saying. Look, this is a nice person. Why don't you guys get together? Or, or she, well, you know, it will work. You know what I mean? They're not like super like saved. They're not like saved, saved, but they're sort of saved. You know, like it'll be all the justification we try and do when we meet someone that we think is hot and we want them to be saved. So we sort of like, look, it, it could sort of work. But then God calls you to fullness. And you say, you know what? I'm not messing around with any idiot. I'm going to believe for the person God has called for me. I'm going for fullness. But then you start, you start walking for fullness and bang, you hit the Red Sea of loneliness. And the enemy starts to talk. The enemy says, where's fullness now? You could have been back with, you know, this person. You're believing for the right person God's called you to. But now look, now look what's in front of you is loneliness. I guarantee you, that's when the text message will come. Bleep, 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 bleep. <laughs> that probably sounds nothing like your text message tone, but that's all that came out when I went to make the noise. <laughs> I've been here where you're facing loneliness, believing for fullness. 
And then here comes the past. Hey, what are you doing? It's your ex sending you a text. What is that? It's the past trying to run you down because you made a decision that you're going for fullness. First thing that will come after you will be the past. Because you've got to understand that the journey to the other side of also is exactly that. It's a journey. Favor just, favor comes on you. You're in Egypt. You just keep multiplying your fruitful. Favor just comes upon you. But part two doesn't just come upon you. Part two is a journey. Favor just happens. Fullness is a walk. Fullness Fullness takes a bit of time. You got, you got some, you, I mean, you, your marriage can be favored, but if you're married, you want your marriage to be full. I mean, I've only been married two and a half years, but I'm learning this. The more we get married is, is, is you know what? You've got to make a decision. You're going to take the journey to fullness. It's a journey. And along the journey, it takes sometimes the time, it drags out longer than you want it to happen. The journey to the other side of also, you need to know that that journey is going to have some battles. When you're stepping, when you're making a decision that you're going to step on the other side of also, you better know that there might be a Jericho in your fullness. There might be some battles that you might have to go toe to toe with the enemy sometimes. You might have to, might, you might have to, you know, put your hands up for a little bit. And Christian walk is not fluffing bubbles. You know what I mean? I mean, it would be nice if it was. I don't know where that came from, fluffing bubbles. I mean, <laughs> some of you are like, what? What's fluffing bubbles? I don't know, but just roll with me. Because how many know that the moment you, you, you were not before when you weren't upsetting the enemy. See, you're not upsetting Egypt over here. You can have a little bit of favour and be in a little bit of bondage. But when you start to break out of favour and step into fullness, when you start to break out of where you were and say, you know what, I'm not just playing church. I'm not just going to settle for just a little bit. I don't want just nice. I want pressed down, shaken together, running over. I want a supernatural marriage. I want supernatural kids plugged into the Kingdom of God. I want to raise a family that occupy new territory. I want to raise kids that know what it is to storm the gates of hell. I want to raise a marriage that's an example. Listen, you're going for fullness. You better know the enemy's coming after you. But there's something about a battle. There's something about a battle. Getting in a fight. I mean, you learn what praise is. When you get in a fight, come on, you learn. Praise isn't praise when things are nice. That's the singing. Praise becomes praise when you're in the deadbeat of hell and you say, you know what? Screw this, I'm gonna praise God. You know what? I know I'm going through some things, but my praise is not about what's going on around me. My praise is lifting something up because God's glory is worthy. He's worthy. He's worthy. He's worthy no matter what's going on around me. 
is, is, is praising in the battle. I'm not sure if I'm allowed to say screw this. I apologize. Still learning. My wife's not in this service. Normally she gives me the nod. So I'm just playing it safe. We'll edit that off the podcast. But it's the battle. In the battle, you learn how to worship. You learn. You learn what it is. You learn what it is when hell is in front of you. And you just get your little iPhone or maybe like me and you can't, you can't sing a lick, you wouldn't be able to hold a note in a bucket. But you just start making a joyful noise. Just say, God, I just give you worship. You learn how to do that. I remember you've heard my story. I remember doing it. I remember worshiping in the hospital when my best mate died. Watching him in a journey through life, being married six months, you've heard me say the story, killed by a punch to the head on a football field. 26 years old. But it was in the hospital room where God showed me what worship was. And I could just say, God, you're good. I know this is going on. And it doesn't make sense to my thinking, to my understanding, but you're good. And I just worship you. That's what faith is. You learn, you learn in a battle. We think the Christian walk is not going to have a Jericho or two. You're not going to have to, you're not going to have to fight some things. You learn in a battle what prayer is. I don't mean just throwing up a prayer as you got your coffee and car keys walking out the door. I mean, when you got to get on your face before God Almighty and say, Lord, I need an answer now. You learn that. You learn that in a battle. But we get so scared, we hate the battle. What happened with the Israelites was they hated the battle. They had a mindset still of Egypt. They had come out of Egypt, but Egypt hadn't come out of them. And that's why when the battle got hard, they started saying, you know what? We were better off back there. How many Christians made a decision to step the other side of also face to fight and said, you know what? Forget this. I'm just going back to my bondage because I know it's bondage, but at least it's what I'm used to. God's calling you to step to the other side of also. The journey to the other side of also is a faith journey. You're not going to know where you're going all the time. Businessman, you're not going to know what the next corner you're used to knowing and having that 10 year plan and having that five year plan. And I'll get, but I want to tell you something God's ways are not your ways. Have your plan, and there's something great in that. But what if God's plan is far beyond what you're trying to plan out? And God just says, You know what? Just take one step at a time and say, Lord, guide and order my steps. It's a faith walk. Because on the journey from favor to fullness, on the journey, to move from the other to the other side of also. There's going to be some moments where you're going to have to believe God for some, if you know the story, for some bread from heaven. 
There's going to be some moments where you're just going to have to trust God that, that by, by night He's going to put a fire in front of you to show the way. And during the day, He's going to bring a cloud over the top of your head to get you there. He's calling you to the other side of also. We can settle, we can stay, favour's cool. Where do so many Christians get caught up? So many Christians get held up and caught up on the wrong side of also. Just settling with just, you know, I mean, I know I'm not free, but I know I've still got all of this gear and all of this stuff, but let's just stay here. The Bible says, who the sun sets free shall be free indeed. But also stepping to the other side, also it doesn't just happen. When God spoke to Moses about going to the Israelites and speaking to the Israelites, He said to them, tell them I'm going to bring them up and out. He didn't say, go tell them I'm going to bring them out. And look at the order in which He did it. I'm going to bring them up before I bring them out. What we want to do is we want God to bring us out and then we'll be up. But God says, no, no, no. I want to teach you what it is to be up because it takes faith to be up when you're still in. Do you understand? That's why God changed Abram's name from Abram to Abraham. See, Abram means noble father, but Abraham means the father of many nations. And when God spoke that to him, he was not the father of many nations. He was the father of just a few. So God called him up before he pulled him out. That's why you've got to make a decision. You know what? I'm going to talk up in my situation. Now, my family might be messed up. My marriage might be messed up. There might be things going on, but I'm not gonna live up. I'm not gonna live down where I am. I'm gonna live up and talk up, even though He hasn't brought me out yet. I'm gonna declare not where I am, but where God's calling me to. It's time. It's time for you to step onto the other side of also. Let's just stand to our feet. I want to, I want to do some things real quick before we close. I feel it's a message for us. You spoke to me. You go through some things. You go through challenges. It's the challenges that grow us. It's the challenges that... But the thing about this, this, this covenant that He said to him, was at the very end, the very end of what he spoke to him, he says these words, God says to him, where am I? God says to him, I'm gonna bring, I'm calling you first part, I'm calling you to fullness. I'm gonna get there. And then he says, I'm calling you after you, the land in which you are a stranger or the land of Canaan as an everlasting possession. And I will be their God. See, the thing about stepping onto the other side of also is we have to understand 
stepping into fullness is not about us. It's all about Him. And why I think God holds people back from fullness sometimes is they want fullness for them. But God said, I'm going to bring you into a promised land. But the promised land is not about you. I'm going to bring you there so that these people will lift up my name. Why do people miss the fullness? Because we think it's about us. Businessman, if you could understand this and businesswoman, it would radically shift what God is trying to do in your business. And you've been striving and, and you've been pushing, saying, I'm going for it. I'm gonna, we're going to build this thing successful and it's going to be awesome. And it's gonna, the problem is, is it's all about you. But if you would say, give that business to God and say, God, I want this business to be in the fullness of what you've called it to be so that you get glory and not me. It's calling you to the other side of also. Right across this room with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here in this place. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you are blessed.